AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Bird flu, ESG investing, climate smart farming practices, biofuels, and South American crop details. We've got them all covered on today's AgriTalk. And unless conditions change, we'll be talking about a continued upside recovery in the grain markets that has spread to livestock trade at the bottom of the hour. Live from your detail center via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. We'll begin with a conversation with former USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. He's from Agribusiness Association of Iowa. And it's South American crop consultant, Dr. Michael Cordonier. I'm handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. You know, every now and then, you just got to go and get somebody that has been there and seen this and done that. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what we are doing this morning with Bill Northey, because there are several issues that I want to talk about. Uh, with Bill. Number one, earlier this week, eh, was it earlier this week? It may have been the end of last week. I think it was the end of last week. Uh, Illinois reported its first case of high path bird flu in in a commercial turkey flock. I think it was Wayne County, as I recall. I I believe that's right, which got me thinking, what is the status? How, How is this all setting up for as we get to the end of winter and and start thinking about spring, uh, what is the status? The other thing that uh, got me thinking about it was um, uh, we, Jim Wiesmeyer and I talked about the the bird flu and the death of a young uh, a young lady, young female in Cambodia that was the the result. She was infected with with h5n1 yeah when she died uh yep. which which raised some concerns that maybe this was going to lead to uh human to human transmission of the virus mm-hmm. i don't think there's any sign of that yet but uh it it's sure got me thinking about bill northy because obviously he was at ground zero when it hit uh back in 14 and when when he was uh, uh, the egg secretary in Iowa. So we'll get his take on what's going on there. And then Dr. Yep. C. All right. We might mm-hmm. as well go straight to the guy that keeps a close eye on what's going on down in South America. Find out exactly what is happening in Argentina in particular. I think that's that's maybe the biggest news there right now. Well, what's right, great buddy. about him, too, Dr. Yeah. C actually knows how to pronounce the names of some of these, uh, what are they, provinces <laughs> down there? States. 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 Yeah. yeah. He can say them correctly, so uh, he can. Be good. Good to check. It's really kind of cool. Yep. <laughs> true. All right, it's let's true. get to the yeah. news. Well, Chip, the number of Americans filing for initial unemployment benefits fell by two thousand from the previous week to one hundred ninety thousand uh, on the week ending February twenty five. That was below market expectations. The latest value remains close to the nine month low reached at the end of January, giving further evidence that the U.S. labor market remains tight. 
due in part to reduced labor force participation, Chip. Yeah, yeah, and this is one of the things that um, uh, Jay Powell, the uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, has referred to several times in trying to really get a handle on how far they've come in mm-hmm. in uh, taming inflation. And one of the ways that you can tame inflation is by making sure that fewer people are at act, are actually at work and getting a job and getting a paycheck. He has said that there needs to be pain in the in the job market. Mm-hmm. before we can be sure that inflation is under control. So the, the the inflation market is still, or the inflation market, the jobs market is still very strong. Well, Chip, current crop and livestock insurance programs are under review to see yeah. what changes some potentially significant can be made to provide billions of dollars in funding to expand programs to other commodities with the ultimate goal of improving the Title I safety net and diminishing the amount of future ad hoc disaster payments. This one keeps coming up, Chip. It's, and this time, it feels like it's got some traction to it. This is all about, I shouldn't say all about, uh, this is about specialty crops and making sure that specialty crop producers have crop insurance coverage rather than relying on ad hoc disaster payments. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is calling on Secretary of Ag Tom Vilsack to immediately halt U.S. beef imports from Brazil. As Brazil reported another atypical case of BSE to the World Animal Organization for Animal Health last week, NCBA President Todd Wilkinson said, quote, We have seen Brazil repeatedly fail to meet the 24-hour requirement for reporting animal diseases. We expect USDA to keep the border closed to Brazil until they can demonstrate that they are willing and able to play by the trade rules that govern all other nations, close quote, Chip. Yeah, we mentioned this yesterday. It took them 35 days to report yeah. it. I don't think they're going to close it. I mean, NCBA is going, has requested it, is pushing for it. I know cattlemen would love to see the uh, the U.S. close to Brazilian beef, but I, I just don't think that, that it's going to happen because it's an atypical case. Uh and and they haven't shown USDA hasn't shown any indication that the timeline on reporting these cases matters in the past. Mm-hmm. So if they haven't shut the 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 US to Brazilian beef in the past, I'm not sure where the precedent is to do it now. Well, Chip, the Senate passed an anti-ESG measure with the help of two Democratic senators, Manchin and Tester. The measure would overturn a Labor Department rule allowing fund managers and retirement plans to consider environmental, social, and governance factors when making investment decisions. President Biden has said that he will nix the new bill if it comes to his desk. That would be the first veto of his presidency, Chip, ESG. Yeah, this is one of the issues that that, uh, Bill Northey mentioned that he would like to have a quick conversation about is the ESG and the ESG investing or the woke investing. You've got big dollar investment managers that are now saying that they can't, that, that they can't responsibly uh, put these ESG measures in place. Well, because they're supposed to maximize return for their investors and they can't do it with the ESG. Well, a large group of European Union countries is threatening to block a plan by Brussels 
to effectively ban the internal combustion engine, <laughs> endangering the bloc's ambitious agenda to combat climate change. Meanwhile, global carbon emissions rose less than feared last year, according to the International Energy Agency. Opposition parties in Canada have called for a public inquiry into alleged Chinese meddling into the country's elections in 2019 and 2021. Prime Minister Trudeau has acknowledged attempts by China to interfere, but has so far resisted calls for an inquiry. The Biden administration approved an estimated $619 million potential arms sale to Taiwan, including hundreds of missiles for F-16 fighter jets in a move that will likely further inflame already heightened tensions between Washington and Beijing. Oh, and here's a piece of good news. Chip, the supply of chicken available to eat in the United States continues to outpace beef according to new new food availability data from USDA's ERS. Plenty of chicken around, Chip. <laughs> it's great news. It is. Gotta love chicken. It is. Well, I tell you what, there's uh, a, a lot of Americans that if they are making a choice on protein, that right at the top of the list is chicken. Hey, Chickens eat a lot of corn. Chickens eat a lot of soybean meal. We can't forget that. We've got Bill Northy next right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking... In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. I'm on my second cup right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm there too. Actually, does a 24-ounce mug count as a cup? That's one cup, yeah. Okay, one very cup. good. Then I'm on my second one. Very work. good. Yeah. All right, welcome back. <laughs> uh, Davis, stick 24. around for this one. Yeah, of course. Stick around for this one because uh, I know that uh, you you do enjoy conversations with Bill Northy. Bill is the CEO of the Iowa Agribusiness Association. Uh, Bill is past president of the National Corn Growers Association, former Iowa Ag Secretary, and he served in the Trump administration as Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation. Bill, welcome back to AgriTalk. How are you today? I am great, Chip. Wonderful to be back with you. Yeah, glad that you're here. How are you handling the weather up there in in northwest Iowa? Well, I'm actually in central Iowa, down in the Des Moines area, uh, in my office at Agribusiness Association. But, uh, you know, it's another day closer to spring. I'll (laughs) I'll take it. We can get there. I don't have to scoop anything today, so we're good. (laughs) Sounds like you could be in on the conversation with Davis and I at at the start of most shows, because that's usually about where we start off, too. I make it about 18 days away, roughly. Yeah, 
about roughly. 18 days away. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay, Bill. So when you were the Iowa Ag Secretary, you were basically at ground zero of the high path avian influenza outbreak. Um, and I want to learn and lean on your experience uh, with that a bit. Illinois, Davis and I were talking about it earlier, had its first commercial flock. I think Iowa's latest flock was Jan 25, a commercial flock. Uh, in, in February, Pennsylvania had confirmation in a broiler barn. Almost 100,000 birds depopulated there. How do you think we're doing? How's the country doing in dealing with bird flu? You know, Chip, I'd, I'd say there's good news and bad news. The good news is um, the biosecurity is, is is better than it's ever been. And certainly the speed at putting birds down to prevent uh, outbreaks go, going from farm to farm um, has has is so much better uh, than what we were in 2015. Uh, we know that without having all the tools we have today, that there was likely some farm to farm spread. And even with all the birds that were impacted last year, there was likely very little farm to farm spread. Uh, but I think the bad news is it's so darn early. There were so many outbreaks last year that they were all likely wild bird interactions somehow that, yeah. that got the virus into a barn somehow, whether it was on somebody's boot or whether it was a bird or whatever it was. We're seeing so many individual outbreaks, even though we're stopping them moving from farm to farm, we're seeing an awful lot and awful early. Yeah. Yeah. There's two different trackings of the, the movement of bird flu or the detections of bird flu. You've got the wild bird tracking system and the commercial flock tracking system. And that wild bird uh, tracking of, of bird flu confirmations, Bill, it scares me because they're, it's it's practically every day there's an addition to it sure seems like it and and i've heard folks uh, i i don't i haven't heard the scientists tell me yet that it's true but but some are saying it's you know we always thought it was just migratory birds and so therefore it would uh be worse exposures in the spring and the fall that's also the time that the flu uh, can do the most damage too and doesn't get knocked down from the heat um but it seems to be getting outside those times. And yeah. so that maybe it is in the domestic bird population too, that doesn't leave. And so I, I don't know whether sparrows can carry it or other things can carry it or how it is getting around, but it's sure getting around outside those migratory times. Yeah. Um, because those birds are smart enough to know mostly that yeah. uh, it's not time to go North yet. Uh, and so we're not seeing that much migration happening in February and in March. Right, right. Well, it shows up in some birds of prey. And um, it, it, for the most part, those birds of prey uh, stick around. And, and when you see a red-tailed hawk on the, on the list, it makes you wonder if it's not just, you know, in the area and, and need to deal right. with it. So enough yep. producers have been hit that some are starting to wonder where the federal support is to offset the expenses of depopulation, lost revenue, cost to clean and restock barns. Is that something that has been talked about in the past, and is it something that you think should be considered? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember back what the actual funding mechanism is. USDA finds ways 
to be able to do that and has authority to be able to find some additional dollars. I don't I don't know that they're able to tap into CCC for that, but but I know we we blew out of the water whatever available funds were in 2015 yeah. and USDA still did what they needed to do to compensate producers appropriately and to be able to help clean up barns. So so my guess is uh, that they're thinking the same thing now and they're going to be there. And I don't think that we'll get some headline that, oh, we got to quit cleaning barns or quit paying producers because USDA's run out of money. So right. I don't remember the mechanism, uh, okay. but but I know they're extremely serious about this and know that they've yeah. got to put these birds down. That was the last th- question that I was going to take. Is it getting the attention that it deserves from USDA? It sounds like you think it is. I think it is. I yeah. think it is. And and if it doesn't, then there's a whole bunch of state secretaries of ag and others that will yeah. ring their bell and producer groups and others. So I think USDA is, is doing what they need to do, too. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Let's talk biofuels here. It's kind of a shallow victory for ethanol announced yesterday morning. Uh, year-round availability of E15 in eight Midwest states, but not until next year. <laughs> the, the, Governor Reynolds was leading the effort on this bill and i think she had it in the bag or she i think she thought she had it in the bag for 2023 and now they've delayed it to 24 what's your take on this you know that just seems crazy to me uh they should have been working on it from last year when they realized they were going to have to do um you know the repeated authorizations during the season well, there's one way to fix that, and that's come up with a more permanent piece, and they shouldn't have been waiting for governors to do it. And the governor sent letters long ago and said long ago, yeah. we need this to happen. So it would just seem like um, to to tell us in February or March that that it can't happen by June or yeah. or even August seems so like silly. a crazy thing when it is – simply getting some words on a piece of paper i believe maybe it's some legal pieces too but those should have been done long before now too right yeah no doubt no doubt uh you mentioned ccc earlier billions and billions of the commodity credit corporation dollars have been committed to climate smart farming practices that will be divvied up by usda what do you think of what's happening on that front well i'm I'm glad that they are are doing some grants rather than some regulations, but but um, I I've heard some real hesitation by some of the folks that were even successful in their grants whether where the format was going to work for them to be able to carry it out. Um, and we used CCC back when I was at uh, yeah. USDA to to support trade payments and COVID payments. And we thought that was very clearly support for producers in times of need. I would argue this is a much more liberal reading of it um, uh, than not not politically liberal, but just uh, legally liberal right. reading right. of it to be able to say that's where you should go for something that feels more like something that should be mm-hmm encouraged by congress but yeah it should be in the farm bill right yeah it really should um and yet congress wasn't likely going to pass it and and so the administration took it on but at least they're not regulating at least they're not saying every farmer has to have this many cover crops and it has to look like this right right 
Um, let, let's real quickly, we only got about a minute and a half left here, but let's go to ESG, Environmental Social Governance here, the woke investing rules. The Senate is trying, but if it makes it to the White House, it looks like uh, President Biden is going to veto the ESG uh, investment regulations. It, it does sound like that. And, um, and I think there's just so many things spinning. One is the business community is interested or feels encouraged either by government or the public that this is important. And, and the ag community is hearing this and saying, where's the money that you've been talking about? It just feels like it's a niche right now rather than something broader than that. And ag is still skeptical. Um, and others are, skeptical to some degree too so I, they may win the legal piece here uh but but there it's hearts and minds that need to be convinced um and i don't know that this helps that um right. in the long run i think we do want to do some things that respond to to the principles of an esg but do we want government determining right. the definition of those things i'm much more hesitant about that yeah Yep, that makes sense to me, Bill. Bill, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. Let's stay in touch. Sounds great, Chip. Great to talk. All right, thank Bill you. Northey, CEO, Iowa Agribusiness Association. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. This upside recovery is starting to feel pretty good in the grain markets. Beach, what's going on? Yeah, so the you know we talked about it yesterday, Chip, but the soy complex leading us again to the upside. But uh, corn and, and wheat are in particular are actively uh, participating. So uh, a broad-based recovery here, and it looks like the the washout that we saw earlier in the week, which was. Uh, literally nothing more than uh, just money flow fun fun liquidation and those types of things um, that looks like it was overdone and, and the buyers have responded and, and shown up on uh, it both yesterday and, and with active follow-through today yeah yeah I was looking for some sort of a technical reason for the bounce I don't know if I can really identify it I didn't really I couldn't really identify anything that suggested the the downside momentum would turn, but here it is. I, yeah, no uh, prices it. got too cheap. You know, yeah. the, the downside was overdone. Prices got too cheap, uh, and buyers saw it as value, and, the, and they showed back up uh, with the flip of the calendar uh, yesterday yeah. and, and followed through today. So, um, you know, those end of the month and, and beginning of new months, uh, the fund activity during that period uh, can be very critical. Yeah, the upside recovery spilled over to the, the uh, livestock trade, too. 
Yeah, uh, so feeder cattle are trading to the upside despite uh, the strength in the yep. corn market. So, you know, that's kind of a positive there. Uh, live cattle are kind of mixed, uh, still waiting on active cash cattle trade to develop so far. Uh, the limited trade has been about a dollar higher than last week. Uh, but really, you know, the, I think the April contract has uh, narrowed up that uh, premium to the cash index. So they're just really cautious in that market. And then uh, mild strength in most of the hog futures this morning. Yeah. Uh, the cash index continues to climb. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Stressed down a run lane, racing down the interstate, spilled hot coffee down the front of my jeans. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. Davis, great conversation there with Bill Northey. Um, it's, it's just kind of Bill. a voice of reason in some Indeed. of these issues yep. that we're dealing with, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and not just completely, di- well, we can get into it, not completely dismissive of ESG, but says there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Right. Uh, that's good perspective. That's good perspective. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's get some more perspective on what's going on down in South America. Dr. Michael Cordonier, soy and corn advisor is uh, also the pro former South American crop consultant and uh, a good friend, good friend of mine. How are you, Michael? It's good to talk with you again. Hey, hey good morning, Chip. Always my pleasure. Excellent. Glad that you're here. Let's get straight to it, Michael. Just give us an update on what's going on in Argentina. It looks pretty rough. Okay, well, in Argentina, it is pretty rough. Uh, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, especially <laughs> with the soybean crop. You know, they had the worst drought in 60 years, and then record high temperatures, and then record low temperatures, and a frost. You know, there was a frost a couple of weeks ago that caught everybody by surprise, and everybody's comment was, what, it's the middle of summer, we got a frost? So it's just been uh, one problem after another in Argentina. And, of course, everyone's been lowering their estimates uh, all along. I think we're probably getting pretty close to the bottom here. Uh, in Argentina, but it's just been a really, really problem. And in fact, farmers in Argentina had a sort of a preliminary protest yesterday, yeah. and they told the government, you got to do something here to help us out. Uh, and they gave the government a week to come up with some proposals or else they'd have a more widespread protest next week. Okay. That frost that happened, it'd be, it would have been like the middle of August if it happened up here in the in the States, in the Midwest. Um, oh, I think did, it, if you look at just the, the soybean condition, it was probably early August in comparison. Good grief. Did it do any damage? It did damage to some of the soybeans in the areas where it got you know below freezing for a couple of hours. Okay. Uh, so it was localized. But uh, it was not a widespread killing frost, but it did do some damage to some of the soybeans, especially uh, the later planted beans. Uh, the earlier planted beans were getting close to maturity already, but yeah. yes, it did some damage, yes. Jeepers, criminy, unbelievable. Could that Argentine bean crop be under 30 million metric ton? Well, I got it at 32, and uh, it could creep below 30. Uh, it might get down to 28, 29. Yeah. Um, we'll see. 
there is some rain in some of the western areas, northern areas, and that's going to help some of the later planted soybeans in the north. But it's still hot, still above normal temperatures, yeah. and below normal um, precip in all of Argentina except for a localized area. So it's possible. Yes, it could. You're below 30. Okay. What does this do to the crushers in Argentina, Michael? Are they going to oh, have terrible. enough? Yeah. Uh, they are already importing soybeans from Brazil. Uh, they started last month. Now, they always bring in soybeans from Paraguay and ship it down the Paraná River. But they're bringing something in from Brazil is like almost unheard of. Yeah. And they made imp- might import 2 million tons uh, of Brazilian soybeans into Argentina. And also, the crushers, there's already reports, uh, they are buying back their contracts for some of the soybean meal and soybean oil because they can't source beans on the spot market. And I think the farmers in Argentina are going to be very slow sellers. Uh, They want a repeat of what they call the soybean dollar. You know, the government did it twice last year where they gave a special exchange rate uh, if you export your soybeans. And right now, uh, the black market rate for the peso is double the official rate. So the farmers are going to say, hey, I'm going to wait for another soybean dollar program before I sell. And I think that's probably what they're going to do. That's so the probably what they're going to get. I, I, I think 100%. Yeah. Um, now, the government won't do it until the harvest is underway, so they've got something to sell. But uh, maybe in a couple of months, I think we'll see another program like that. Okay. Can they even use the river system to move beans around? Uh, yes. It is. See, the headwaters of the Paraná River is in southern Brazil, yeah. especially places like Paraná, Mato Grosso do Sul, up there, and they've been getting lots of rain. Okay. So Argentina itself still is in a drought, but the headwaters of the Paraná River is up in Brazil, and they're getting plenty of rain. Okay. So it could be better, but it's uh, not a bigger problem right now. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep go let's let's go north to Brazil. How is the bean harvest progressing? I would say right now soybeans in Brazil probably about 40% harvested. Uh it's 10 points behind last year. Uh it's being pushed along by Mato Grosso, the big state. Uh they're over 3 quarters done. So they're doing very well. The problem is places like Paraná, which is the second biggest soybean state, they're only like 17 to 20 percent harvested. So if you get to South Central uh, Brazil, they're very slow on harvesting, been very wet uh, in some of those areas. And then the other big state is Rio Grande do Sul, and they are in sort of the same drought as Argentina, and their soybeans are planted much later, so their soybeans are still now you know, filling pods and setting pods and that sort of thing. Okay. But the harvest is slow, uh, but Mato Grosso is pushing it along. Okay. Is the bean crop north of 150 million tons in Brazil? You know, it's probably a little bit north of that. I got 151. Okay. And I think what's going to happen is whatever happens in the yogurt under the sewer, if they do get some more rain and the late beans can you know, recuperate, we might go up one or two million. Uh, if yogurt under the sewer stays extra dry and hot, maybe go down one or two million. The range right now is probably on the 149 to maybe 153, 154. So it could go one or two million either way, depending on what happens in that southernmost state of Brazil. Okay. 
Is there any sign of a weather pattern change down there, Michael? I mean, like we see it here in in the states, and and it looks like the pattern is changing. Is there anything in South America? Uh, it is sort of changing. You're right. Um, Argentina looks a little bit wetter. If you go out a week or so, and then two weeks, it looks like it's uh, kind of breaking apart, so to speak, the uh, dryness. Uh, it's going to come probably too late for all the crops in Argentina, except for some something planted very, very late. Okay. And in Brazil, uh, it is drying out somewhat in central Brazil, but it's okay. still staying very wet in okay. south central. And that has a concern for the safrinha corn. Yep. Uh, the safrinha corn is being planted very late, and it's going to be okay in Mato Grosso. Once again, they'll do, they'll do fine. But uh, Paraná, Mato Grosso do Sul, it's very late down in that state because they can't get the soybeans harvested, so they can't get the uh, safrinha corn planted. Okay, these, these harvest delays up in the northern production areas, is, uh, are there any quality concerns? Uh, we thought it was some early on, but that's kind of dissipated. Uh, the quality concern now is in the south-central areas. So Paraná, Mato Grosso do Sul, especially Paraná, uh, farmers are worried that this constant rain is keeping them out of the field. And it's like a double-edged sword. If you get late soybeans, you get a lot of rain, you get very good yields. But the earlier maturing soybeans that are ready to harvest, uh, it's a problem. And a lot of guys, they spray a desiccant to yep. drop the leaves and dry out the stems. And uh, once you spray your desiccant, it's ready to harvest in 7 to 10 days. Yep. Then you keep your fingers crossed and it doesn't rain in 7 to 10 days. So that's kind of a problem now in Paraná. Okay. It, there, there's been some talk of a couple of uh, unidentified diseases. Is there any update on that? You know, it's weird. Uh, it's, there is a soil-borne disease that uh, does affect uh, soybeans. It's getting more and more. Uh, they're not quite sure what it is. And it showed up last year, showed up again this year. Um, the stems of the soybeans break off right at the soil level. Yeah. And everyone thinks it's the fungus, but they're not quite sure what it is. Now, initially, they thought it was Fumopsis, like pot and stem blight, yeah. but uh, that's there as well. But this is something new, and it's weird. It affects the most fertile soils and the highest-yielding soybeans, and it's varietal-specific. Mm -hmm. So some varieties get it kind of bad. Other ones don't get it at all. Okay. But Embrapa uh, scientists are still trying to figure out what it is. It's a fungus of some sort. We're just not quite sure what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's something to definitely watch. Uh, is it time for the annual dock workers strike down there in Brazil? <laughs> uh, well, in Argentina, I'm sure it will be. Uh, inflation is running right at 100%. And uh, the, the interest rates, the prime rate is 76%, I think it is. So oh. everybody is losing ground to inflation. So I'm sure there's going to be uh, labor disputes. Uh, in Argentina. In Brazil, there's always some, uh, but I, I would be worried about Argentina this time, especially since they've got a small crop and there's going to be less exports. And if you put a dock strike on top of it, you know, Argentina is the biggest soybean meal exporter in the world and soybean oil exporter. So um, 
you got to be worried about that going forwards. Yep, yep, no question about it. Michael, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for jumping on with us this morning. Give us an, uh, an update on what's going on. Uh, anytime. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, Michael. That is Dr. Michael Cordonier. He is uh, he writes a newsletter and has a website, uh, Soy and Corn Advisor. Uh, he's also the Pro Farmer South American Crop Consultant. I believe I started working with with Michael back in Davis. This is going to it's been a long time. 1997, Whoa. I think, is, is when Michael and I first uh, started working together. Davis and I will be right back. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Davis Michelson here with Chip Flory. AgriTalk, AgriTalk. On a, uh, what is it, Thursday today, right? Yes. The Thursday? Yeah. Yep. March Whew. 2nd. All right. There it is. Yep. Very good, very good. Uh, let's start with uh, with this Bill Northey um, talking about the avian influenza stuff. Yeah, uh, he was as as you pointed out at the epicenter as uh, Secretary of Ag there in Iowa. Yeah. Um, his comment was, "We blew funds out of the water in 2015 yeah. in reference to culling, in reference to cleaning, yeah. in reference to helping farmers out." Uh, Poultry ranchers, poultry ranchers, ranchers, um, with, with, with this with this cleanup here, uh, is that would, would that have come from some of that fancy ad hoc spending you hear so much about? I think a lot of it came from USDA Commodity Credit Corporation. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where most of it came from, and and you know that was because there was a clear and immediate financial stress on the poultry producers that had to depopulate yeah yeah um it's a little different than using ccc funds for the climate smart farming practices now you know the decision making on on this and and when the ccc should be tapped and when it shouldn't be tapped you know admittedly that decision is way, 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 way over my pay grade, okay? But the CCC has always been there for that clear and immediate need. I I have a hard time applying the clear and immediate need smell test 
to the climate smart. That's why we've been asking the question so much. Uh, and I think it's one of the reasons that USDA and, hey, you know what? This is smart on their part. This is smart on Secretary Vilsack's part. It's one of the reasons that they've been running the programs out or rolling the programs out as quickly as they have. Mm-hmm. Because they want to, they want to tap the funds that are available through the Inflation Reduction Act uh, for the Climate Smart Farming programs. As they they want to, they want as much of the funds as they can get before, before maybe the farm bill process would say, you know what, we need to put a little bit more um, definition on what those CCC funds are for and what they're not for. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Okay. E15. Yeah. Now, okay, so... Stupid. Um, yeah. Mr. Northey was saying, should have had this all figured out a long time ago. Dude, yeah. by the time we roll out summertime E15, it's going to be two years past the deadline that EPA had <laughs> to come up with this. What is crazy? the delay? Uh, it, okay. What's the problem here? Well, I don't get it. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm A all listener, fired up right now. I hear that. A listener, and I'm looking for the email as we speak right now, but he, a, a listener yesterday pointed out one of the obvious issues here, okay? 2023 is an odd numbered year. How do you how do you make <laughs> how do you make political hay yeah. in states that are very supportive of mm-hmm. E15 unless you do it in a year that is divisible by 2? Uh especially looking at 2024 when it's a presidential campaign it's Paul. Thanks Paul. Uh, Hello, especially 2024 when it's a presidential campaign and whoever it is that might be the Democrat nominee can can then say, listen, look what we did. We Now, I countered Paul by saying, but why wouldn't you do it now and tell the story next year that, hey, for the last two years, we've been well, yeah. saving Midwest consumers money at the pump. Because then okay. you've got results that you can show. Oh, on an average, you save, you know, like Cooper was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the shelf life of a story in the mainstream media. Uh, it's the immediacy of it all that uh, uh, you know. He Paul's probably got it. Got a point. It it's political. All right. And don't ex- don't expect me to explain that. No, no, no. You can't. No, no. Right. Uh, we're going to move on from Bill. Other than uh, he, he raised the question, do we want government dictating how ESG, ESG investment is done? And we've seen some divestment in some of the ESG funds and yes. things like that. So the free market, um, he would agree, should uh, should probably handle that as it sees fit. Uh, right. Moving on to Dr. Cordonier. Everything that could go wrong in Argentina has go wrong. <laughs> he said it before. Um, but now we've already got, number one, farmers are ticked off, headed yeah. to the streets protesting. Number two, already buying beans from Brazil. Yeah, already buying beans from Brazil and having to cancel some of the sales that they've made uh, probably yep. into Asian markets. Jeez, that sounds expensive, too. I mean, just to well, sure buy those is. back? Sure it is. Uh, well, you know, it depends. 
It depends because there is a process that takes place in these cancellations, whether it's a buyer canceling a purchase or a seller canceling a sale. Um, You know, if they had those sales on at, at higher prices, okay. You know, maybe you can buy it back a little cheaper. Rates and fees may apply. It sounds like one of those deals where there'd be like some guy to substantial penalty may apply kind of a thing. (laughs) I don't know. That is exactly right. Sounds like it to me though. Because, because there's probably, you know, by, from the time that a buying agency makes contact with a seller out of Argentina, ownership of that shipment of meal or oil, mm-hmm. it may change hands twice. It might change hands 9, 10, 11 times. So it depends on where they're at in the process. If there's six, seven, eight change of hands into it, there's a lot of people that want to make a little bit of money on a cancellation Every already. Time in there. Hands, Every, time Every time it changes hands. Every time it changes hands. Somebody wants to make money on it. No question about it. All right. Good stuff, Davis. Hey, thanks for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. We're going to start off the conversation about crop insurance. And Jared Creed, JC Marketing, is going to be back. He's going to help us go through that thought process. Tomorrow morning, free for all, Wiesmeyer, Haney, Michelson, and me, right here on AgriTalk.